0: What's happening team, welcome to the Type 1 Movement Podcast, where I'm going to be sharing with you my tips, tricks and stories to help you lead the healthiest life possible as a Type 1 diabetic. I'm your host, Type 1 Tom. Just a quick disclaimer, any advice that I give will not overpower your medical professional, so please consult with them first if you're thinking of making any changes. Yes team, what is happening, I hope you're good, welcome. Back to another episode of the Type 1 Movement Podcast. Today's episode, man, this is just something I love speaking about. And I'll uh, I'll tell you, this is going to be a good one. I will say before we get started, get yourself a pen and paper because I'm going to give away a lot of golden nuggets, a lot of gold, some practical stuff in this episode. It's going to be all about how to approach any workout as a Type 1 diabetic. Team, before we do get started though, please leave me a rating and a review on the podcast app if you get value from this episode. And also screenshot whatever device or platform you're listening to on and tag me. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at type1 underscore Tom. Team, at the time of recording this, I have just, I'm yet to edit it, but... I've just recorded a day in the life of a type 1 diabetic, so a day in my life, and it's going to be recorded, well, it's recorded, it's going to be edited and uploaded on my YouTube channel, so if you don't have me on YouTube, go to YouTube, type in type 1 Tom, go and subscribe to my channel. Um, man, I didn't realise how much work can go into creating a YouTube video, like, honestly, recording it, taking the camera around everywhere in the day, I mean, I'm active on my Instagram stories, but... Honestly, it was like, right, should I record this? That'll be really good. People get some value from that. I'll do this. But it will make for an amazing video. So I will be posting that this week. But team, right, look, I'll be honest. I have done a sort of managing blood glucose levels around exercise, everything, exercise, and type 1 diabetes podcast episode before. I've done a few. But as things change for me, as I try different ways of training, um, And like different sports and stuff like that. I learn more about myself, um, my glucose levels and how I'm sort of managing things. So that's why I will constantly do these sort of episodes to give you guys like my newest sort of information, if you like. So like I say, this is going to be how to approach any workout as a type one. So you get the best from the workout, right? Now... If you really struggle with managing your glucose levels around exercise, this is really, really going to help you. If you feel like you're just throwing shit at a wall because someone's told you that lifting weights causes you to spike or aerobic stuff causes you to drop, so you're going to try making these adjustments before you've even tried anything and your levels are all over the place, you're just, like say, throwing shit at a wall, seeing what sticks, this is going to help you, so make sure you listen to it all. Now, When I was planning this episode, I was like, should I chat about the benefits of exercise or not? And I'm not going to go fully into the benefits of exercise because, come on, you all know you should be fucking moving your body, especially as type 1 diabetics, yeah? Exercise is crucial, not only for... Well, let's cover a few few of the main things. First one for us as type 1s, insulin sensitivity. I'll be honest, I put... A big, big part of how well I manage my own personal glucose levels. My, I've always got a great HbA1c. It's so always between like 5.3 to like 5.6. Highest ever been a 6%. My timing target range is always 70 to 80% or above. And I put this down to how active I am. Yes, I mean, I am super active. I'm not saying you have to do that, but doing some sort of working out and being active, I put that down to how well-managed my glucose levels are, a big part of that. Yes, I would still be well-managed if it wasn't for that, but there's other aspects as well, like our mental health as tight ones. Honestly, for me, like... A mental escape from, because I still get stressed for being a site one, do you know what I mean, on life and stuff. A mental escape from it all for me is going on a ride, going on a run, working out. Do you know what I mean? Just taking that time to myself. So the mental aspects of exercise. And then we've got the other health benefits. Take our diabetes away from it. We've got the other health benefits. Just Google the benefits of exercise if you want to know. There's so fucking many. There's so many. So... I'm not going to give you a science lesson on why it's important to exercise, team. Come on, we're all fucking adults, the majority of you listening to this. Do you know what I mean? You know it's important to exercise. So, currently, I'm going to give you some real-life examples of what I'm currently doing. So, my background of exercise is more into, like, gym work and stuff. I got into, into the training, exercising as a kid at 16. I was, like, lifting weights. So I wanted to get really big. I hated any aerobic stuff. Like, I I, I couldn't do any sort of cycling or running and stuff like that. I just wanted to get massive, right? But as the years have gone on, I've crossed so many different sports, done so many different ways of exercising. And At the moment, I'm currently, I'm still doing my strength work. So I'm still at the gym, lifting weights and stuff. I love cycling. You guys know that, like, if you got me on Instagram. And I actually quite enjoy running now. Going back 12 months ago, I fucking hated it, but I quite enjoy it. And I'm just getting back into swimming because I'm a shit swimmer. So I cover quite a lot of different disciplines, right? Reason being is I am going to get into triathlon training, um, well, triathlon racing events next year. I have got a dual-athlon book for December next month, which is just a run, a bike, a run. But a triathlon is a swim, a bike, and a run. I'm just not sure on the distance yet. So, I cover quite a lot of different things. I strength train, and I do a lot of endurance stuff. Within cycling and running and swimming, well, more cycling and running because I'm not efficient in swimming yet, I do higher intensity stuff. So that's what I'm currently doing, and this is how like, I've built this sort of knowledge that I want to share with you guys. Now, before we get into like the one key I'm going to give you and the one thing that I want every single one of you to do and that I still do and I get all my clients to do, I want to look at the different types of exercise. And I don't mean different types as in weight training, cycling, running, swimming, that sort of stuff. I mean different types in like a physiological sort of response. So we have aerobic, aerobic exercise, which a walk could be aerobic, a very steady run or a jog, a long bike ride, a steady swim. If you're efficient at a certain sort of discipline and you can keep your heart rate nice and steady and you can do it for a long duration, That is what we call an aerobic exercise. And then we have anaerobic. I'm going to tell you how it ties towards the type 1s in a second. We have anaerobic. And anaerobic is things like strength training could be anaerobic because it's short, sharp bursts of kind of intense stuff and then it's a rest, yeah? Yeah. And that could be like sprints. If we go out and sprint, it's not really aerobic because we can't sustain it for long periods. It's a big energy dump, right? Which is giving away a clue in a second what I'm going to speak about. And then it's a rest. So that's anaerobic. Intervals on the bike could be a really hard swim, could be. Yeah, we do have some sports, which we'll get to shortly, that kind of mix the two. CrossFit is one of them because you're, you might be doing a really heavy lift, yeah which is anaerobic and then you might be going on a run which is meant to be aerobic but we're crossing over those different sort of energy pathways in that that does get quite challenging for us as type ones and i'll speak about that later but for now i want to take a look at the two sorts of exercise and how these generally usually have an impact for us as type ones on our blood glucose levels so as a rule of thumb as a rule of thumb, you should test this yourself to find out because I've worked with type ones that break this kind of mold, if you like. But aerobic exercise, so um, a steady run, a steady swim, a steady cycle, a walk, would tend to lower our blood glucose levels. There is a, there is some type ones that, that fall out of the exception to this. And I will throw this in there. If you aren't really very fit, and you go outside and you try and run for a long distance, that, my friend, isn't going to be aerobic for you. It's probably going to be anaerobic because your heart rate's going to be up, your body's not used to it, and your body's like, what the fuck are you doing to me, mate? I'm not used to this. Yeah? So if there is something that we will class as aerobic but you don't really do it and you've not got a a solid sort of baseline fitness level in that specific sport, that's probably going to be anaerobic because you're not used to it. Hopefully this is making sense, yeah? So aerobic exercise usually tends to utilize glucose as energy. So what that then does is pulls the glucose out of our bloodstream, which can cause us to drop low as type 1 diabetics, right? That's aerobic exercise. Anaerobic exercise, you know, those high intensity bursts, strength training, yeah, because it's very energy demanding on our bodies. What can happen is our liver, and it's quite stressful, our liver can do a glucose dump, yeah. And what happens then? Where does it dump it? In our bloodstream. If we haven't got enough insulin present, that's going to cause a spike in our blood glucose levels. So if you've ever gone into, let's say you've gone into a HIIT class or you've gone to lift some weights at the gym or something, And you go in, your blood glucose level's fine, and then you start to get a big spike during the workout. That is why that's quite a normal thing to happen. It's quite a normal thing to happen. So now you've had a little bit of a fucking science lesson, you will understand aerobic exercise, the difference between aerobic and anaerobic. Like I say, we get some sports, particularly like CrossFit, which mix aerobic and anaerobic. They might mix, like I say, a big heavy exercise with a run, yeah, with a run. And that is one of the things I've been into, like, done CrossFit and do CrossFit sessions and conditioning sessions and stuff. That is one of those things that you just have to keep a close eye on because it can be pretty unpredictable at times, yeah, because the workouts are so variant, yeah, they're so varied. But that's a little bit of a science lesson team on like different types of exercise. Now I want to get into the biggest tip and this is why I call this how to approach any workout as a type one. The biggest tip I can give you when trying a trying any workout, trying any workout. And you know what? I still try my very best to stick to this sort of rule if you like. Years, years, years down the line of exercising and it's this. Wait at least three to four hours after your last bolus of rapid-acting insulin before you go and exercise. Now, this is particularly important if you really do struggle with your blood glucose levels around a certain exercise, yeah? Say you're getting a lot of highs, you're getting a lot of lows, and you're not sure what's causing it, yeah? So the reason that I say wait three to four hours, ideally four hours, is because if you're using rapid-acting insulin, yeah, you don't really want to be going into a workout Like not knowing with insulin on board, as it's called, not knowing what that specific workout is going to do to your levels. If you have no insulin on board, no rapid acting insulin on board, it's been four hours since your last bolus, and you're going into a workout, then you can confidently know what that specific workout is going to do to your blood glucose levels. You want to do this twice as well, you don't just want to go into wait four hours after your last bolus, excuse me, go into a workout and go like, right, it spikes me, so tomorrow what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick a load of insulin in. No, do it twice. Whenever we're testing stuff with tight ones, we want at least, at least two lots of data to even out any variables. So let me give you an example, team. Let me give you an example. Right, let's say we're going into a gym workout. We're going in to lift some weights at the gym, yeah? Now, we want to make sure that we're going there at least four hours. Well, let's say four hours after our last bolus of rapid acting insulin, because then we know it's only our basal insulin we got on board. Yeah, so we're going in. We've stuck to the rule. We go in. We're keeping an eye on our levels. We get part of the way through, and we start to see our blood glucose levels rise. Yeah, I be. I'll be honest. I'm happy with a small, small spike if I'm lifting weights, as long as I'm not like rising up out of my sort of target range. But let's say. We do get a big spike out of your target range, yeah? All right, cool. Next time, go in, try it again. You waited four hours, you've gone in. Let's say that same spike happens with strength training, we're at the gym, we're lifting weights. That same spike happens. You've got two days' worth of data there, yeah? Suggesting that is a pretty strong argument for the fact that strength training, gym workouts, causes a spike in your glucose levels, yeah? So you'd have to make some adjustments for that. This is what strength training does to me personally, and I get a lot of clients that do it. So what are the adjustments for that? Well, maybe a small pre-bolus like myself. That's what I personally do. I, I started with one unit, yeah, one unit, and that's what I get all my clients to do. I started with one unit, seeing if that kept me in range before strength training, and then I kind of adjusted from there. That's a real-life example. Let's say we decide we want to go on a run. We decide we want to go on a run, and we're sticking to the same rule. We've had no bolus or rapid acting for four hours. We've had no bolus rapid acting for four hours. We start going out on that run. We're looking at our levels. We start to plummet. We start to drop. All right. So in that case, if we're starting to go low, what I normally do, and I'll get onto fuel, enjoying exercise in a second, is that I have a few jelly babies to spike me up because I know that the run's going to continue to bring me down. Yeah? So let's say we've done that, and then we go on a run again whenever, like a few days later next week, whenever. That do not fucking matter. And the same thing happens a good argument there to suggest that running drops your blood glucose levels, right? This is why I said aerobic and anaerobic, what tends to happen. You need to go and try this out for yourself because some, I have worked with people that could go on a walk and it could spike them. Yeah, so you need to test this theory out for yourself. But let's say we're going on the second run, it's four hours after our last bolus and we start to get a drop again. Right, okay. Strong argument there that running drops you. So what will we do then? Well, We have a few options. If you're on an insulin pump like myself, we could reduce the basal rate. So decrease basal, temporary basal. I start small with 10%. But remember that if you're doing this, you need to do it two hours before your workout. Two hours before your workout because that's how long rapid acting insulin takes to work. If you decide at 11 a.m. in the morning, you're going out on a run and you decrease your basal rate at 11 a.m., that ain't doing anything until 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So you need to make sure that if you are on a pump and you're decreasing your basal rate, it's done two hours before that specific that specific sort of activity, that workout, right? That's if you're on a pump, yeah? And you know the sort of workout's going to drop you. If you're on pens, what's the option? Well, well, a few different things around this. If you're taking something that's in like Leathermere, yeah, like Leathermere that you could take a morning dose with and you can split it and you know that you're going to have a very active day, you're going to go for a run or something, you could decrease your morning dose. You could decrease your morning dose. That's what a lot of my clients do. If you're taking something like Lantus or Tresiba, this is a little bit trickier because any changes that you make normally take a couple of days. So it's not like, right, it's Monday, I'm going for a run on Wednesday, I'm going to take some units off my Trecebra or my lantis. It's not really livable, that, is it? So if you are on something like that, and you're about, let's say, I'm just using running an example, but it could be any sort of activity that tends to drop your levels, you may want to think about having a small carb-based snack for your jelly babies, banana, an apple, something that's going to cause a little small spike in your levels before you go on your run or whatever your activity is that drops your levels and you let that activity start to decrease your blood glucose levels naturally. Yeah, Hopefully this is making sense. Like I say, you may have to listen back to this, but make sure you are taking notes because there's a lot of gold in here that's really going to help you out. Right, So, Like I say, you want to be waiting four hours, at least three or four hours after your last bolus before going into your sort of exercise, your workout. Do that twice, get the data, and then I've just told you how to make those adjustments. Yeah, how to make those adjustments. I will be honest with you now. I'll be honest with you now. Do never, ever, ever think that if you have to sort of eat to stop yourself going down, let's say you've done everything right, you're on a pump, you've put a decreased basal on, yeah, and you're out on a run or a ride and you start to see yourself drop and you're like, oh, fuck's sake. Don't ever feel bad having to eat to sort out a low so you can continue on with your workout. Guys, I'll be honest with you, a lot of my workouts, say if you're on the bike or a run, I'm taking gels with me, I'm taking jelly babies, and I'd say at least... 5 out of every 10 of these sort of runs and rides that I'm doing, I'm fueling for. I'm having a gel because I see my levels start to drop and I don't want to hit a low. I want to get the workout done. Yeah? And I still use a decreased basal rate. So that's not a bad thing if you need to do that. If you're trying to watch your calorie intake and it's worrying you a little bit, make sure you're saving yourself 200 calories each day for hypo treatments. But I want to stress that, that if you have to sort a low out, yeah, in a workout, it doesn't mean you're failing, it's not a bad thing, that is absolutely fine, it's absolutely fine, right, this has been a pretty long episode, but hopefully you got some value from it, I will do a quick recap, yeah, quick recap, so the different types of exercise we've got, aerobic can tend to like walking, running, jogging, swimming, um, cycling, it can tend to lower our blood glucose levels, there is some that, you know, stray from this though, anaerobic, you know, strength training, intense sprints and things like that can tend to cause a spike in our glucose levels. The big tip, wait in at least three or four hours before you go in, (coughs) excuse me, to any workout. I still try and do this now the best that I can. I still try and do this now the best that I can years down the line, yeah? That way you're going to confidently know that it's only your basal insulin on board and what that specific activity, that specific exercise does to your levels. If it causes you to spike, maybe it's worth looking at doing a small bolus beforehand. If it causes you to drop and you're on a pump, you could decrease your basal insulin two hours before. If you're on Levermere, you might want to, you know, take some off your your Levermere morning dose if it's throughout the day. If you're on Tresiba or lantus, chances are it drops you, yeah? You're going to have to maybe have a small small carb-based snack to bump you up a little bit, yeah? And then just... You will, like I say, don't feel bad for having to treat a low during exercise. And you know what, team? Don't try and be a perfectionist. Don't try and be a perfectionist with this. Yeah? Don't don't try and get it perfect. You don't want a flat line or working out. You want to just stay in your range. And if you need to treat a low, so be it. And get the most out of your workout. Yeah? And this is why a lot of type ones are worried about exercise because worries worried about lows or highs. But the more that you do it, like anything, the more that you do it, the better you're going to get at trusting your gut and kind of knowing what's going to happen with your levels. But like I say, that is the big tip. Wait four hours at least, well, three to four hours after your last bolus before you're exercising. I will throw something in there before we end, we end sort of this episode. If that's not possible for you to wait four hours and you're having a meal before, and you know that that specific exercise that you're going to be doing within, let's say, that three or four hour mark tends to drop you, maybe look at taking some units off your bolus. Yeah? Maybe look at taking some units off your bolus. If you know that it tends to cause you, this is where it gets a bit more tricky, if you know it tends to cause you a spike, let's say a strength training session, and you're having a meal before that, what I would personally do is I wouldn't make any adjustments until I'd had that meal, had my bolus. <clears throat> I personally bolus what I think I need to bolus for the meal. Then I go and do the workout. Yeah, no, to go and do the, I can't like strength train on a, a full stomach. Anyway, what I'm saying, just real life examples, I go and do the workout because you will have also some food there, but some active insulin. That may be enough to stop that spike from that sort of strength training session. Yeah. Like I say, long, very in-depth episode this, but it is, excuse me, it is something I get asked by so many tight ones, I've struggled to control my blood glucose levels around exercise, I'm worried about working out. This episode right here will give you a baseline to start from, and like I say, it is all about confidence, team. It's all about confidence. The more that you do something, the better you will get. Right, gang? I'm going to close it out there. That is it. If you got value from this episode, please leave me a rating and a review on the podcast app as it really does help me reach more type 1s and positively impacts our community and hopefully get more type 1s fucking exercising as well. Yeah, get more type 1s exercising. Team, I want to say thank you very, very much for listening to this episode and watching this episode. Until the next episode. Happy working out. Yeah, go and put those fucking notes into practice. Peace.